2: Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist with the American Museum of Natural History in New York City, where I also serve as the Frederick P. Rose Director of the Hayden Planetarium. And here we are entering the Cosmic Queries portion of Star Talk Radio. And the Cosmic Queries section, I, I don't do that alone. We get questions that come from every every conduit into Through the internet, from Facebook, from the tweets, on our website, and I trolled the streets and found Colin Jost walking. Among them, that's right, Colin. Welcome. You Thank know, the last you. time I had you on, I called you Colin.
3: I'm yeah, sorry. I know. I remember. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I like the how little faith you have in my mom. Uh. She would name me after like the <laughs> least appealing part of a body.
2: <laughs> but, and you were so polite to not correct me on it. So certainly, uh, Colin Jost, and you, you're a, a lifetime guy in the world of comedy, right? Yeah,
3: I've been doing it. Yeah, I've been I've been an SNL and uh,
2: been doing stand up too. And Man, but been... you're not that old, so you have quite a resume in these years. No, maybe t- maybe time traveler. I don't know, maybe. You know, I'm old enough to like remember the first episodes of Saturday Night Live, back before it was called Saturday Night Live. This is like 40s? (laughs) Exactly. In fact, it was just called Saturday Night, (laughs) which is why they begin Live from New York, it's Saturday night.
3: And it predates that day of the week, right? There wasn't even that day of the week. And then they were like, <laughs> we, we should name to... this whole day Saturday. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because they,
3: the,
2: show, the show needs a place to air, right? There you go. Uh, so thanks for joining me for Absolutely. this uh, Star Talk Cosmic Queries. It's a delight to be here. So now I don't claim any personal expertise on superheroes, but I do know physics and astrophysics. So let's see what we can offer yeah. the spate of questions that have just arisen. So Absolutely. What, what do you got well, for me? here's
3: right off the bat uh, here's one from Google plus from nathaniel dorn um i'm a big x-men guy so this is i'm very curious about this if you were magneto uh what would be the coolest thing you would do with your power over magnetism (laughs) this is really more of a wish fulfillment question for you rather than a science question oh wow magnetism power of
2: magnets you know what i would do i would clone myself and put one of each of me on the interplanetary voyages of the astronauts and create a magnetic field around the spaceship to shield it from harmful solar particles.
3: No, but see, that presupposes you can also clone yourself. I
2: feel oh. like that's a whole other step first. Oh, oh so the magneti- control over magnetic fields, that's the easy one to accept, <laughs> but not the cloning. <laughs> no. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I can't give you every power. Oh my
3: gosh. You know, so, even, uh, even cr- magic has its limits. Uh, well, you know?
2: so the big challenge no, no, no. today is when you leave the magnetic blanket of the Earth, the Earth has its magnetosphere, which extends you know, not quite to the moon. Mm-hmm. And And so if you're in Earth orbit, you're protected from it. Uh, Sorry, you're within the, the protective blanket of Earth's magnetic field and charged particles from the sun, which would otherwise harm your DNA, get channeled to the poles. Away from you, and it inter- it collides with molecules in Earth's atmosphere, and it renders the atmosphere glow, becoming the Aurora Borealis, right? The, the Northern Lights, and the Aurora Australis, the Southern Lights.
3: I didn't know it was called Aurora Australis.
2: Got to call it, wow. yeah, yeah. The Borealis and the Australis. I would have thought it would have been like a- Antarcticus or something. Oh, okay. There'd be a- Aurora Articus. Articus. No, that was a guy from Rome. <laughs> <Ancient> <laughs> Rome. <laughs> I am Aurora Articus. <laughs> you are my subjects. Yeah. So,
3: uh, uh, it was, so uh, someone brought up too that Magneto, as a, a controller of all things magnetic, could theoretically just tear the universe apart. Is that accurate? No. Next question. <laughs>
2: Well, the universe is not magnetic, I'm sorry. Well,
3: what's the most damage, like, you know, long-term,
2: wide-reaching damage they could do? Okay, the way they've written his character in the the comic books is that he's controlling metal because metal is the obvious magnetic. Of course, But uh, if I remember my chemistry, if you super cool certain gases down into a liquefied state, Mm -hmm. you can have liquefied magnetic materials. So So he
3: could combine with Iceman. Oh, that would be cool. You know what I mean, that would be a good. Oh,
2: wow. Yeah, but not only that. That pl- might be a good plot line. Plasma. Plasma, which is what the sun is made of, which is essentially the contents of flame, but mm-hmm. the sun makes a better example for what I'm about to describe. A plasma is a gas that's so hot that the electrons in the outer layers of the atoms have escaped and they're running, they're roaming free in the gas. And that means that the gas can respond to magnetic fields. Hmm. So, the sun has a very powerful magnetic field and it's plasma. And so here's this gas trying to rotate with the sun and the magnetic field gets trapped in the rotating gas and gets wound up on itself and it busts through the sun's sun surface every now and then. In fact, it's on a cycle of 11 years and you get solar storms and yeah. sunspots and solar flares, flares mm-hmm. and prominences, all of this is magnetic activity, huh. so a magneto would not be limited to metal. Magneto could totally tear a new one in a star because <laughs> how he can interact with the magnetic fields that control where those gases uh, appear and what they do.
3: I think you just wrote the Latinx 12 issues of, of, <laughs> of magneto for them. Um, Okay. Here's the next question from Twitter from Jimmy B at Hey Jimmy B. Could Superman survive the uh, spaghettification of a black hole and uh, the force required to escape it? Ah, uh, so if he, we obviously fa- he's known to be traveling faster than the speed of light. Yeah. Right?
2: So okay. Well, well, it's Superman in Superman One. What's the one where he went back in time to save Lois Lane?
3: Oh, where yeah, he traveled. Where Was he that spins, Superman One? Yeah,
2: it, it is One, right? Yeah, yeah Superman yeah. One. Uh, he uh, in order to sp- fly around the Earth that fast, he's going faster than light. So right. establishes right. that establishes uh, so that... So it's real. So it's real. <laughs> 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 that makes it legit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, actually, if you can actually travel faster than light, you can just climb out of a black hole. Nothing will stop you. However, the, uh, the journey down to the, to the singularity... Would, as sure as night follows day, would spaghettify him. He would be ripped apart head to toe. Yes, he's made of denser matter and can stop bullets. And he's, yes. But if his material is of this universe, he is not resistant to the power of gravity on that scale. And you'd have a totally spaghettified Superman. Wow. And just to go over what spaghettification is... Oh, we only have 20 seconds left in this segment. Oh, no, no sorry.
3: <laughs> so he needs a wolf he needs a pair with Wolverine who has a healing power. So if he got out of it, he could reunite his
2: particles. We'll maybe. find out when Let we come, come back, back in the next segment on Star Talk Radio, <laughs> the Cosmic Query section. We'll see you in a moment. Star Talk Radio, I'm your host astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, and we are in the Cosmic Queries section. Helping me is Colin Jost. Colin, welcome to Star Talk Radio. Thank you very much. We left off the last segment. Talking Uh, about spaghettification. Spaghettifying Superman. Yeah, which is a real, that sounds like a
3: Uh, classic Italian dish. (laughs) Uh, What is spaghettification? It's when you're being sucked in, the particles are being ripped apart?
2: Yeah, so what happens is as you get closer to the center of a black hole, The field of gravity at your feet becomes insanely higher than the field of gravity at your head. Mm -hmm. This is a feet-first dive into the black hole. And And the consequence of this is that your feet will accelerate towards the black hole faster than your head will. Whoa. And initially that, you know, you're just stretching and it might even feel good. Mm-hmm. But there's a point where that stretching force its officially the tidal force. The same force that makes the tides on Earth is what rips you apart as you fall into a black hole. That tidal force eventually exceeds the binding force of the molecules of your flesh at the point... Which sounds bad. Because it is bad. (laughs) And when that happens, you snap into two pieces on your way down. And this difference in force continues. Your upper half and your lower half each feel this difference in force, and they then rip into a pair of pieces each. Now you're four segments, and then eight, and and then 16, 32, and you run the series down. There'll be a point where you'll be a stream of atoms descending impossibly towards the center of this abyss. If Superman is made of materials of this universe, right? whether or not he is of this earth, it is. if it is of this universe, he is subjected to those same laws of physics, <laughs> and he will be spaghettified just as day follows night.
3: But then what if he were basically took on the powers of a worm who's able to, you know, you could segment them and they would still live different pieces, Ooh. Would then there be a bunch of supermen out Here's there.
2: Here's the problem. When you cut up a worm, each segment of the worm still has a full genetic code for what yeah. the whole worm was. When you spaghettify, you are just atoms <laughs> oh okay so yeah. it's not even yeah the hydrogen atom that got yanked off of your dna molecule does not remember the dna molecule from which it came huh yeah you're a
3: host and then so what about mr fantastic the rubber guy oh the rubber dude because then wh- how would he
2: go in oh in the fantastic four yeah Ooh. or who's the the woman in the incredibles uh, uh, uh oh yeah right um <laughs> Was it Elastic Woman? <laughs> elastic Girl. Rubber yeah. Girl. Uh, yeah, elastic. So Elastic Girl, yeah, anybody who's stretchable, in principle, might be immune to this. The question but they, is, they have
3: to then travel p- faster than the speed of lights. So well, need, to get
2: out. Yeah. If they want to get out, they got to travel faster than lights. We've established that Superman can do that. So we would send Superman into a black hole until he was ready to snap into two pieces. Then he flies his way back out again. Gotcha. And that'd be cool.
3: Or if Superman has a baby with this Elastic Girl, right? Which... Ooh, so which we all been fantasizing.
2: Wow. (laughs) Uh, Wait, have you been fantasizing about being with Elastigirl, or fantasizing with Superman? I just want to watch. I just want to watch Superman a (laughs)
3: lot. I don't even know how old Elastigirl is. Maybe that's inappropriate for me to say. Uh, What? Uh, So this seems. This is the next question. This is from uh, Jeffrey Williams on Facebook, and it says, the character of Captain America seems to be the closest to reality. I don't know what that means, but I guess of the Avengers, say. No, Batman is. Batman. Yes. Batman's a regular guy. He's regular, but uh, someone that has superhuman powers. Mm -hmm. Do you believe there are currently experiments happening that are trying to increase the capacities of the human genome? Example, human strength, uh, super strength, increased visual acuity, heightened stamina, et cetera and he also wants to know if these experiments are going on, are they morally
2: correct? I'm not authorized to comment on that. <laughs> N- next question. <laughs> no, so I can say a couple of things. First, you can't just take a guy that has normal looking muscles and make them 10 times stronger. If the muscles are, if it's made of muscle tissue, because the physics of strength correlates with the cross-sectional area of your muscles. So in other words, the reason why, when you work out, your muscles get bigger is because they're getting stronger. Right. It's a direct correspondence between the strength of your muscle and how big it is. Mm-hmm. There's some variation in there, like, in, are you in good shape? So you can be slender and still be stronger than someone else who's slender but who's right. not in shape? Because there, aren't there varying
3: muscle densities that people have to? Sure, too, but
2: not so wi- – so, we're all human at right. the end of the day. Right. Okay? We're all human. And so muscle size correlates with muscle strength. Strength. So you can't have a Captain America who he had a good body. No you know, he he'd turn heads in a fitness center, but the strength of those muscles are not such that he would have the strength exhibited by any genetic manipulation at all. Hmm. It's just not
3: no unless so you couldn't genetically alter the say density or efficiency of muscles.
2: Not and have it still be biological matter. You'd have to, uh, in fact, just replace the muscle with the with with some other but material. Make it more cyborg Yeah, just cyborg them out, then, then yeah, oh yeah, then you're good to go. Then so Mech warrior style, to rely yeah. on our feeble biology to improve in strength, I think is not the right way to go if you want to if you want to make a better human not only that to and try to improve your sight there's a limit to how dim you can see because of how how because of the size of the iris in your eyeball. Right.
3: As, uh, like we were talking about, tele- like the it, size it, of back the Back tele- in the telescope yeah. show, yep. I had
2: you on, on yep. yes. in the studio for the telescope show, bigger telescopes see dimmer things. Right. It's that simple. Exactly. And so people said, oh, can cats see in the dark? How big is their eyeball? Yeah. All right? If it's not bigger than your eyeball and we all have retina <laughs> in the back as the detectors, yeah. no, they're not, yeah. you know, they might There's do a, a little line. better, right. but they're not going to do much better than right. you, all right? So unless they had huge eyeballs. There are no owls, right? Exactly.
3: And uh, this uh, another question here from Sean Carp on Facebook is: Would it be possible to do an embedded metal skeleton with optional deployable weapons, Ooh. a la Wolverine? Could you do
2: that? Now here's the problem. So I, if we replace your bones, which are already pretty strong, right. with some kind of metal, adamantium, for uh, instance. adamantium, adamantium, I yeah. forgot about. It. Okay, right. Oh. So what do I? Want. So if you replace that with with uh, some kind of super alloy metal, right. you're still susceptible to tissue damage. Right. What you're right. describing is the Terminator. Right. That's the Terminator. Right. You could still stab him and he'd still bleed. Right. So you still suffer tissue damage, but you're not knocking him down. Right. Because right? he's got that super alloy metal for bones. Sure. I don't see why you, you couldn't work that.
3: Yeah, but then you still could, you know, if you don't have a healing factor, the healing power, then you're... You'll just be this assume. bloody mess exactly. at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> You'll be alive and bloody. Yeah. Like when he was repairing himself in the hotel room in Terminator. Exactly, when he was... The guy knocks on the door and he yeah. looks for a response. And he says, go away. (laughs) (laughs) Except a little more colorfully. Yeah, so, and he's got flies and stuff. Yeah, because he's got biological tissue. Keep in mind that for the human body to work, you'd have to graft the tissue onto the metal. Our... Our muscles connect to tendons that connect to ligaments that attach to your bones. Mm -hmm. So it works biologically. In order to get foreign material in there, you're going to have to attach it all some other kind of way.
3: And what about – now, this is – I've read articles, too, about the rise of nanotechnology where theoretically one day we'll have tiny robots in our bloodstream that will just sort of rebuild cells. Is there any – do you ever think that's – That
2: would be cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, a nanobot would be smaller than – what a cell would identify as being a, far, a hostile uh, invader. And right. so it would just be able to do what, anything it needs to do. I don't see why we can't manage that. But I'd rather do it from the outside. Why get all uh, fantastic Voyage on us and just have some kind of device that beams through your skin and lands at the tumor and cures the tumor? I mean, why? Yeah, fair. Yeah, all, right, right, but, I'll do, but, all right, I'll do that. I'll just okay. do that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm a bot fan from way back, so. Good. Yeah. So you won't you won't stop me. I won't. <laughs> Oh, by the way, um, and Thor, yeah, to lift the nuclear matter that is his hammer, yeah. Uh, But he's an alien, so aliens, you know, it's a whole other, it's a whole other thing, right? It's a different. Do you
3: have? Can I ask? Do you have a favorite superhero or one that you're most impressed by? their construction or what the, the physics of them no, are? No,
2: I like Batman, because he's a regular... I can be Batman. He's a regular general. I can be Batman. I can, <laughs> right. And and who doesn't like the gadgets, all right? Uh, uh, and who doesn't like the car? So, yeah. he's got the best car of any of them. I yeah. guess, because they can fly, they don't need a car. <laughs> 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 but you got to like the car. Yeah. Right? The car is good. as good. As phallic as it is, nonetheless, <laughs> he's got cool things that the car can do. Exactly. And so the car is an extension of his utility belt in terms of its coolness factor. So for me, I, I'd have to be Batman. But as a kid, I, I don't know if I told you this directly, I wanted to be Mighty Mouse. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. You know, well, just... I wanted to save women who were, were mean people were trying to harm them. Oh, that's fair. That's and funny. I want to sing opera while I was doing <laughs> it. <laughs> Here I come to save the dead. Yeah. No, I just I somehow resonated with that character. I don't know why.
3: That is a great a combination I not would have thought is saving women and singing opera. Yeah, and yeah. he could
2: fly yeah. and other things were bigger than him, but he had strength uh, beyond what you would expect, so uh, I just I just felt good about. Yeah. My and you memory. you wrestled right? You were I used to wrestle, but yeah. we'll get back to that okay, in a we'll minute. So we're we're in the cosmic queries part of Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. Join us again for our next segment coming right up.
1: pxg.com/slash/startalk code startalk.
2: We're in the cosmic queries part of Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your resident astrophysicist, here with Colin Jost. A resonant comic, <laughs> Colin. Welcome. Uh, yes, uh, thank you for having me. Wait, well, these are cosmic queries on our superhero show. Yeah, this is kind of an exciting. Yeah, I thought so. And you, just before the break, you the, one of the questions was, what superhero would I do? I most resonate. with? right with and i said i think batman just cuz he's real right and his toys are fantasy like but they're they're in reach yeah. curiously they're, they're right they're justifiable with technology it, and with justifiable yes. extrapolations yes. of what we know today yes. and i confess that in childhood i totally was digging mighty mouse yeah
3: um, and I was asking, is that part of what got you into wrestling was a mighty amount oh, <laughs> I did wrestle <laughs> in, in high school college and a little
2: bit of graduate school <laughs> no because I'm when I'm wrestling and I'm not thinking I'm doing it to win the heart of a woman right. I'm just doing it just to to do it yeah I mean it's a very personal. Thing actually, because if you lose, you just got beat. Nobody to blame. Yeah, there's, there's no no team. no team. There's no and it's and it's there's not some apparatus. It's you, your muscles, your quickness, your smarts, and yeah. that's it. So for me, it was the purest form of athletic contest. Yeah. So yeah. So what other questions? Uh, are a great you- one. Well, I got to ask you, oh, What superhero you do you resonate?
3: I with? mean, Wolverine for me is my favorite really? of all time. I just he just his style, and you his know, attitude. Just, his He's attitude. so attitudinal. It's great. It's pretty awesome to get shot in the head and then just like kind of shake it off and see the bullet come out of your head and just drink a beer and you know be unshaven and I'm I'm approximating the look as much as I can with hair and not be shaving. Is
2: he the only superhero that drinks beer and goes unshaven? I'm wondering.
3: I'm sure there are others in binges, but he seems like the most regular. He's, yeah, he's, it's a reliable form of his character. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I would feel more comfortable riding a motorcycle if I had a healing power and an adamantium <laughs> skeleton. You know? It'd be, then my mom might allow it. Rather so. than be the
2: organ donor that the rest of them are. <laughs> right, <Okay>.
3: exactly. <laughs> uh, so this, uh, this next question from Facebook from Eric Shaw is, If Superman needs the sun's rays for his strength, how
2: does he still have powers at night? Well, first, I didn't know he needed the sun's rays. Oh, because he comes nearer to the yellow star. Exactly. Is what, of course, the sun is actually white, but that's a separate conversation, a, in for fact, that. for another show. Right. The, this, the sun is yellow when it's on the horizon when it's dim enough for you to notice and look at it without protection. Mm-hmm. So sunsets are these beautiful yellow-orange yeah. colors. In the middle of the day, when the sun is not crawling its way through the muck and mire of of the super-thick horizon-depth atmosphere. Yeah. The sun is not yellow; it's right. white. That's right. the color of the sun. Period. Right. If the sun were actually yellow, then white things would look yellow. By the way, uh, if you put yellow light on a white sheet of paper, it looks the white sheet of paper is yellow. <laughs> so, if the sun were yellow, then snow would look yellow. But Uh-oh. that's only near fire hydrants. Last I checked, so <laughs> no. But um, so I don't see why he just doesn't have storage batteries to store up the energy from his daytime in the sun. Maybe. Why, why not? Maybe he, maybe he doesn't have powers,
3: but at least his the electric car he has he can still like put around in. Wait, Superman? So yeah, maybe if he's got. Oh, so a he's solar, solar power car? A little maybe. solar power car that he gets. You don't see him at night. He just goes. So that's know. what. He, that's
2: where he recharges his Batmobile. <laughs> so it means wait, Superman? If you send him to the Arctic, where there's six months of darkness, he'd be pretty ineffective. That's the thing. Yeah,
3: and isn't that his his like cave that he goes to? Isn't that sort of? Oh, that's in the icy? North pole. Yeah, oh my I mean, gosh.
2: Seems like the worst place for it, right? The
3: North Pole for six months of the year has no sunlight. Seems like why go there? Of all places. Should be it should be an equator cave that he goes to. Should
2: be an equator cave, yes. So now if it's only his proximity to the sun, whether or not he's receiving sunlight, then he's still an earth distance from the sun. So he's still getting he's still getting some getting whatever is the magic rays from the okay. sun, whether or not it's the light. Okay, so he's, he's going to be okay. You think he'll be okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't have to worry about him. Uh, right. they, so this is a question from Stephen King on Facebook, I assume, I hope, God, I hope it's the real Stephen King. Stephen King. Um, is, what is the likelihood of creating a real-world arc reactor, like an Iron Man, the, the kind of artificial arc reactor heart that he has? What if any negative effects would be present if you were to house something like that within the human chest cavity?
2: Yeah, so I like that question. So so that's a huge oh by the way so so i resonate more with batman than with iron man because the energy source for iron man is too too remote for me to embrace that. right? But if you, the energy depends on how you store it. If it's stored thermally, it would be very, very hot. Right. If you store it electromechanically, you'd have a lot of uh, what are effectively wound up springs.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, uh, there are multiple, many ways you can store energy. You can store it chemically. That's what you have in the form of gunpowder. It's sitting there ready to explode, but it's not so it's energy built in chemically you can think of mechanically you can think of thermally and so um, uh, if you if it was thermally it would eventually heat him up right you, you wouldn't be able to insulate it perfectly and right. so that that, that would, be, that would bad be bad for him that'd be bad um, is there a
3: chemical way that you'd have in the way of a gun powder where you would have a store of it and it would it would have small
2: I think the best gradual way to, reactions of the, parts of it best way to do that is to have a repository of antimatter keep it separate from the matter mm-hmm. uh, with some kind of magnetic bottle. Mm-hmm. You can't put it in a regular bottle. I'm cause... just writing this down so I, know how to do it, <laughs> so I can do it later. You're going back to your lab. Uh-huh. To... Hide. where's the antimatter? <laughs> and then you'd leak out little bits of it to merge with the matter, and then you'd have energy at your disposal and there'd be no uh, bad side effects. More on antimatter when we come back to the Cosmic Queries part of Star Talk Radio. The subject, of superheroes. See you in a moment. This is Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist. Based in New York City where we do most of our broadcast, and I'm here in studio with Colin Jost, comedian extraordinaire.
3: <laughs> that's the grandiose way of is saying it. Is that yeah. on your
2: resume? Comedian extraordinaire. extraordinaire. Yes, there you that's go. That's very it's yeah. <laughs> and verifiable too. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I was before that I was a, a journalist extraordinaire and before that I was uh you know, lifeguard extraordinary. A lifeguard, yeah. yeah. And, and what did you major in in college? Just... I majored in the history and literature of Russia and Britain.
2: So I read wow. some, some
3: uh, lived in Russia for a little Very bit. you erudite, and, wow.
2: Nah, no, not that. I read some books. That's about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and there's a lot of comedic repository in British
3: yeah. Russia and Britain are two different ways to go about humor. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. B- b- one, one a lot darker than the other. And one of our favorite friends of Star Talk is Eugene Merman. Oh, of course. Who, yeah. Who, who's, who has total 100% Russian I know. Uh, That's right. I got to
3: talk roots. to him in Russian sometimes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's still
3: fluent, but... Oh, okay. Well, we can probably both have two lines and then end the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you got more questions for me. So, we have questions me. about superheroes yeah, right now. Yeah. Um, here's one. This is from uh, Christian DiMaria on Facebook. And the question is, would it be possible for a sufficiently advanced race to develop controlled wormholes as a means of transportation similar to the
2: rainbow bridge that Thor uses? Yes, entirely. We don't wield enough power over energy in the universe to just create wormholes on a whim, if we did, and the kind of power that would require—if we harnessed all the energy produced in all the stars, all the several hundred billion stars of the Milky Way galaxy—that'd be enough to kind of do what we want to accomplish.
3: <laughs> Which to what to pierce? Well, through?
2: What you do is you you use that much energy because energy and mass are the same thing. So if you wield that much energy, you can. You can you can compress energy to smaller volumes than you can solid matter. Hmm. But they both will have the same effect on the fabric of space-time because mass and energy are the same hmm. in relativity and in this universe. They're the same in terms of their effect on the universe. Gotcha. Uh, and the, on, on the gravitational fields of the universe. So you'd wield this, you'd pull it out of your pocket, you say, open me a wormhole right here. And there it opens, and you dial up coordinates in time and in place, and you go through the wormhole, come out the other side, and you can be anywhere, in principle, in the universe, instantly. Hmm. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, what's the one where the... Oh, Monsters, Inc. Oh, yeah. Well, undiscussed in the reviews of this movie, is that that movie tapped the fourth dimension. That movie was all about wormholes. Those doors were the wormholes. They would go through the door in the factory and end up in a kid's closet. No one, of, no one talked just, about this. Just
3: by the way, here's some, here's <laughs> okay. a little extra physics. A
2: little extra physics there. This yeah. was an awesome feature of Monsters Inc. Because yeah. you know they didn't come in your front door to get in your closet. <laughs> there must have been some other way. It's a wormhole connecting the factory to everybody's closet. Awesome.
3: Yeah. Uh, that's so possible. You don't even need to be a god like Thor to potentially down the line.
2: No, god, Thor wasn't a god. Thor was a regular guy in his own place. They just called him a god in Norse legend because he had powers above anybody here on Earth.
3: Right, but then in some legends, he's a
2: right. I mean, some things. He, he's no, a god he's a here god here on Earth, Earth. but yeah. in his hometown, yeah. he's just Thor in oh, Asgard. Yeah, he's just he's, a, just, he's a just a, a dude. dude. Yeah, he, he's just yeah. a he's just a you yeah. know blonde hair and a tan. Right, that's all he is. <laughs> so he's just another guy. Right. Yeah. So it's great. Oh,
3: that's a crazy thing about Avengers is that you're just the people are operating on all different levels there's a guy that people think is a god there's a guy made of you know an Iron Man Captain America is just kind of like stronger right right. Hawkeye guy can shoot kind of well that's just crazy (laughs) Scarlett Johansson can kick
2: yeah it's it's (laughs) it's a it's a excellent uh, mixture
3: Um, yeah right right um this question is could Superman use a large telescope to view Krypton from afar, seeing his long-lost family and race before the planet was destroyed, assuming Krypton is further away in light years than Superman is old in human years? Could awesome he then, question. Right. I love they did that. And could he then fly to Krypton and, armed with his knowledge of Krypton's past, reverse time like in Superman, the movie, number one, and therefore prevent Krypton's destruction? No, but then he would have never
2: come to Earth to then observe the destruction to go back and prevent the destruction.
3: So, it would it would require some sort of being here, but then a time travel
2: element. No, I'm just saying, if he came here, saw t- Krypton being destroyed, but didn't want it to be destroyed, and went back in time to prevent it from being destroyed, then he would have never been cast adrift to have right, landed so here then, on Earth.
3: But then if he were, goes back and reverses it, would it stop, but then he would have no remembrance of what happened? Uh, then he would have never come here on Earth to have stopped the explosion. So it's just it's just it eats itself. It's like you can't do it. <laughs>
2: uh, let's pick that up. Yeah, after yeah. the break. This I is. I need a break to figure it out. <laughs> There's steam coming out of your ears. Star Talk Radio. Back in a moment.
1: ixl ixl is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the u.s make an impact on your child's learning get ixl now and star talk radio listeners can get an exclusive 20 percent off ixl membership when they sign up today at ixl.com star talk visit ixl.com star talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price life
0: is a highway
4: then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime.
0: You don't have to hide how you feel.
2: We are back in the Cosmic Queries part of Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist, and it's my job each week to bring the universe down to Earth for you. And helping me accomplish this are people who bring different lenses from their walk of life. Today, I've got Colin Jost with me, comedian... And, Bar and, none.
3: and definitely not an astrophysicist, <laughs> non-astrophysicist. Okay, I'll call you. I'm title. Colin
2: Jost, not an astrophysicist. <laughs> 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 You're reading me these questions. I've never seen them before, these moments. But they come to us in all of our media outlets, Facebook. Actually, on Facebook, we are Star Talk Radio, And they come via Twitter on Star Talk Radio is our Twitter handle. And uh, what else do they come? Uh, also on, uh, on our website, StarTalkRadio.net. So...
3: And here's one that that's uh, pretty great from... Uh, oh, wait, did
2: I finish answering you? the other question? I don't think oh, I did. Oh, no, so I didn't quite
3: understand it. Yeah. Because it's Superman, he goes back, he finds out, he sees through a telescope, Krypton is being destroyed, you know, in the past, as you, you know, the traces of it. Because he that light there. is just coming to reach not, us now. Just reaching us now. So he flies out there, does his time travel whirly gig around the planet, spins it back, saves Krypton, but then that means he never traveled to Earth. That's correct. So what is that where does that leave him
2: physically? It means it doesn't it can't happen. Right. Right. I mean there, it's it's a it's a it's it's not a, it's simply a paradox, it's a contradiction of what is even possible. So, here here's consider it this way. Yeah. With a telescope, he can go look and see Krypton in the past. Right. Yes, that's true. Which is crazy. However, okay? As he travels to Krypton, Krypton is still advancing into the future. Right. While he's traveling, he'd have to travel faster than light in order to go back in time. To then, but can he do that? Right? Can he? Uh, he's Superman, and we demonstrated yeah. earlier he can travel faster than light. So could Duh, he, we said that already. So Superman won. Right.
3: So he, can, so he can do that. Okay. Or? So
2: all right. So yes. So he sees it destroyed. Then he travels faster than light. Mm-hmm. Gets there before the star explodes. But he can't save. The, he would. They all would. They're all powerful folks back there. He, somebody would have saved the star. They knew the star was going to die. Right. And plus, back then he was a baby. So what? What's he going to do? I don't know. Don't you think somebody there would have figured out how to save Krypton? Or if they someone could have?
3: would have done time travel thing on their own—the spinning
2: thing. No, but time travel doesn't stop the star right, from. Right.
3: They would have figured out the star more physical.
2: What they solution. would have done was move to another star. Right. right? Just just yeah. do what they what, could the send him cra- away. Just they all got to get out. Of right. There. Just all just hightail out of there. Go yeah, find this a star. Is a real uh, weird. That's
3: weird. it's what hermit crabs do. This became a question for Superman's parents. What are you doing?
2: <laughs> exactly.
3: What are you thinking, guys?
2: But they they had to get that Moses thing going. You know, right. send them that's for true. and save. It it
3: makes a better story It makes a better story they exactly. were martyrs for the sake of fiction uh this is a question from uh google plus from Stephen burkhart and he asks he says fun questions so he's already saying it's fun we'll he's be very, the judge of that yeah, okay. we're very cocky <laughs> great question here uh what element based life form other than carbon would you be most interested in finding silicon tungsten potassium etc oh god uh, silicon of course and why, why is
2: that the oh, Well, because uh, if, if you remember your periodic table of elements from of your course. chemistry class. You mean SI? That's the, <laughs> that mysterious chart of boxes on the wall. You might remember that columns of elements have the same configuration of electrons in their outer shells, which means they combine with the same other elements. Right. So every way you can make a molecule with carbon, you can make that same molecule with silicon. So carbon monoxide, CO, you can make silicon monoxide. Carbon dioxide, you can make silicon dioxide. Wherever you find carbon in the human body, you can swap in a silicon atom for it. So in principle, you can make life based on silicon and silicon is kind of abundant, although not as abundant as carbon. It's plenty of silicon out there. And if you were trying to invent another kind of life based on the model that we now have, a silicon-based life uh, would be would be cool. Could, we, be
3: interesting. could we somehow – could we somehow create beings that are, you know, genetically the same but replacing silicon? With-
2: Today we have tools to manipulate atoms. There would be no reason why we couldn't swap one atom at a time. And well, it just
3: so happens I have those tools <laughs> right those here. Tools.
2: You've got those nano tools. <laughs> so what would be interesting is if you imagine maybe a silicon-based lifeform superhero. That would be kind of interesting. I wonder what that would be like what kind of powers it would have. But yes, the, the molecules are the same, but the properties would be different. Hmm. They might have different strengths, different capacity to think, different acuity of vision. Uh, this would be interesting to explore, something I've, I've never done. Oh. The problem is that the heavier you get on the periodic table, rapidly they become more and uh, rarer and rarer. Right. So right. if you want any chance of life Happening you need spontaneously. Some it's gotta be just hanging out doing nothing. And right. carbon fits that bill marvelously. Right, right. You know, I think we've run out of time, unless oh, you really? have a All really right. fast question. Let's see. Uh, uh, uh,
3: <laughs>
2: favorite Avengers. You oh, have a f- uh, favorite Avenger. Yeah. I'd have to say Thor throwing a hammer. That's so primal. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's 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 low tech. Yeah, you just you <laughs> it's get, what a, everyone gets if it. If you were a baby and that was his rattle, that's what you just. <laughs> it is so. It's he is how you feel. You yeah. know, I don't like you, and then you or smash everyone's him. Everyone's a Thor after five. PM. That's what Bam Bam was in in the Flintstones. Right. 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 We gotta we gotta wrap it up. This is the end of the superhero show. This is a dream. The cosmic Queries, Colin. Thanks for coming on to Star Talk Radio. Absolutely. You've Love been it. listening to Star Talk Radio. I've been your host. Neil Bill DeGrasse Tyson, and as always, I bid you not only farewell, but I compel you to keep looking up. That was a good Cosmic Query session. When we come back, I'll have Bill Nye, the science guy, and co writer of Cosmos, Steven Soder, to talk to us more about science fiction, specifically how it's portrayed in the movies. This is the Cosmic Crib section of Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. With me in my Cosmic Crib, which is really just code for my office at the Hayden Planetarium here at the American Museum of Natural History, I got Steve Soder, friend and colleague. Love He's you. an associate of the Hayden Planetarium. I've got Bill Nye, also an associate. Thanks for just coming to chill, just chew the fat. I love the crib. Yeah, what well, I want to talk about today, because we're just chilling. We're just chilling. Chillin'. I want to talk about uh, science as represented in movies. And lately, there was like *Interstellar* came out, and I tweeted that the lead five characters are all portraying scientists. And in it, there have the roles of father or son or mentor or wife or child, also
5: physicist who changed the world, who's a woman.
2: Yeah, all, all sort of all personal relationships are explored in it. I thought that was a good thing. but here we have a movie that fully goes there. It wants the wormhole and a black hole, time dilation. It's all in the movie, all of it. And then I think of other movies that... Uh, that also
5: apocalyptic, the world's ending. The Earth is no longer livable.
2: Bill, isn't that just the storyline of every well, science fiction movie? We just tossed it a Yeah, little yeah. the science fiction movie is... They go into space and bad stuff happens. Oh that's, man, that's well, the plot case, of every stuff, science fiction movie.
5: Bad stuff's happening on Earth. They got to go into space.
2: Yeah, yeah. In that in that particular case, but I think of movies that have thought a lot about the science that's in them. Interstellar is one of them. As an advisor, they had Kip Thorne, who's one of our colleagues at Caltech. In fact, I have one of his books is sitting here on my shelf. Gravitation, the only book that you ever learn about just by carrying it around. <laughs> it's it's huge, thick book with the proportions of a of a New York Yellow Pages, if Back anyone is young enough, old yeah. enough to remember
5: the Yellow Pages. So by the way, Steve, uh, I walked up into Space Sciences at Cornell University campus one day. As an undergraduate? As an undergraduate. Uh-huh. And there's Carl Sagan, and I'm sure you were there, and Kip Thorne, mm-hmm. talking about black holes. Falling into a black hole, living, uh, ending up in another part of the universe at another time. And uh, that was uh, quite very compelling. And so that was part of the idea of interstellar: is that you'd end up, you would control where you ended up. Well, uh, because
2: you had some access to the space time continuum. But I think of other films, Steve. You've obviously seen Contact, uh, of the story, the film. Well, there was a book and a film with that. I was impressed with not only the science of that film, but how much attention they gave to public's reaction to the possibility, the reality in that case. Of contact with extraterrestrial intelligence. No. not just extraterrestrial life. That Steve, do you think much about science and films? Do I think much about in yeah. films? Yeah. <laughs> no? No, you don't. You just let the film be whatever
5: <laughs> yes. it is? Yes. Oh, that, you are so kind. Oh, that's what's so troubling to me. Oh, Steve. Whenever there's, by the way, the, when there's an airplane disaster movie. Oh, I mean, that they get something clearly wrong, I oh, think, about it. Yeah. Just,
2: well, that's well, where uh, we're yeah. trying to head here in the Cosmic Crit. But where did they get something wrong in that? It, well, oh, in, in, in Contact? Contact, yeah. Yeah, they got something really, really wrong in Contact. You didn't know this? I'd forgotten. Oh, no. Did so I'm sitting it? next. Well, so I'm at the premiere.
5: Minding your own business. I
2: never got invited to any this premiere is in my years life. Ago. Yeah. I got just 20, 18 years ago, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I got invited to a premiere. So I'm, there's a New Yorker in LA for a premiere of a movie. Mm-hmm. So I'd say the stupid thing like, "There's popcorn on display," and I said, "How much is the popcorn?" And the guy said, "Oh, it's seventeen dollars." And then they all started laughing because <laughs> it's all free. Yeah. It's a premiere. Yes. The 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 movie company pays for everything. Yes. I didn't know this. I was an idiot. Okay, so there. You were I just confessed. Young it. and naive. But no. what
5: happened was. <laughs> What happened
2: <laughs> was... Just young and naive. Equals idiot. So here's what happened. So I'm there. I'm sitting next to Frank Drake. Right. He's a professor of astronomy at Cornell. Famous for what?
5: The Drake Equation. The Drake Equation.
2: Bill, recite the Drake Equation. Oh, tell us what it is.
5: It's... Uh, you estimate the, the likelihood, the number of intelligent life forms that would be in your galaxy or the cosmos based on multiplying a series of what I would call fudge factors. It's multiplicative. It's algebraic. You multiply... Number of stars times likelihood of planets around stars, times likelihood of planets like Earth around stars, times likelihood of planets like Earth that have intelligent life, that times likelihood of intelligent planets with intelligent life right now. Right. And
2: you well, with end up Technology, with a, right, right
5: Even okay. because there are, if I may Billions and billions of stars You end up with a pretty significant number of intelligent life. So right. watch what happens yeah. So
2: Jodie Foster, her character yeah. Is there next to uh, uh, Arroway uh, uh, Ellie Arroway is there next to uh, uh, Matthew
5: McConaughey's character is in both movies Yeah, and
2: he's uh, uh, Palmer Johns or whatever He's a preacher name? He's, a, he's, a, he's a failed priest yeah. okay. Well, he's
5: a medium priest Okay. Some success. Or some pastor.
2: Right. So anyway, so they're there. That's not even relevant. They're there, and she is talking about the romance of the night sky. And he's up there saying, so what do you think about it? whatever?" And she says, you know, if there were 100 billion stars in our galaxy... Aren't there about... At that time... And, and that's fine. That's fine. 100 billion is fine. For, for, to astronomical accuracy, it's fine. fine. Okay. 100 billion stars. If only one in a million had planets, and only one in a million of those... Had life, and only one in a oh, million yeah, of oh, those yeah, yeah, okay, had yeah. intelligent yeah. life. Yeah.
1: That still leaves millions yeah. no, of planets. Right, right. Right. And I said, "Oh, no. I'm sitting my next movie. Take it. Ten to the minus
5: ten to the ninth times ten to the minus six times ten to the minus six. You're left with
4: one millionth
5: of a civilization I remember that now. Yeah, they blew that. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, they blew it. And then, then I said, I'm blaming Jodie Foster for that. Because
5: that was her best take. Bro, she wanted to go home. I'm blaming Jodie Foster
2: because last I checked. Like she went to Yale, right? You think they have arithmetic at Yale? Okay. So she would know to check this number that's
5: coming out of her mouth. I would have. So I believe she's it. playing oh. a character. I'm playing, and you don't know what happens later in the screenplay, Mr. Professional Character Actor Guy. You got to read the lines that you are oh, given. Oh, because maybe that had to be that. So rather it's than, the
4: script writer. It's the script
2: writer, but still, I mean, yeah. So, but that was was a quibble. I mean, I thought the the movie was brilliantly conceived, especially how the public interacted. Yeah, but
5: I say this all the time as CEO of the Planetary Society, as a product of the Frank Drake influence, the Carl Sagan influence and the Steve Soder influence, if we were to discover life on another world and the places to look that we could do in my lifetime and listeners' lifetime is Mars... And Europa, the moon of Jupiter. So far, it's Enceladus, moon I of Saturn. I was going to throw the Enceladus is um, good candidate. It's good, but it's a whole nother. It's not seawater. But Steve, That's you,
2: you live through this. It, in, in my day, the planets were the great destinations until Voyager, mm-hmm. and the Voyager revealed that the moons are more where interesting, they, were where the action is, yeah. and that you could have a civilization possibly on a moon of a larger planet this that might a, not
5: even have a. a, a a rocky surface not to land? on. a good sized moon, though. We're not messing it's, around. It's got to be
4: good size, <laughs> Like moon-sized moon sized yeah. moon. Well, there's bigger than moon sized moons in our solar system. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Ganymede. Is and there's Titan, which has an atmosphere which is a lot denser than the atmosphere of the Earth. So Titan rocks? Yeah.
5: Apparently it is rocky with oceans it's icy. and tides. It's icy.
4: Yeah. icy. Yeah. Yeah. But tides. It's, it's oceans of liquid methane. It has hydrological cycle, it has weather, it has rain, it has clouds like the earth. But the liquid involved is methane, not water. Because so he's so cold. Listen out there.
5: everybody, this, these are these guys are talking about. Wait, real wait, things. Wait. If if we were life form based on liquid methane,
2: we would not even be saying it's cold. Right. That's just the natural we'll, temperature. Yeah, They're right. saying that the it's earth well. is a furnace. And we come to the earth, we would like, combust. Right. Right.
5: Because you're
2: we have a, methane. You know. Dr. T, you're yeah. what? Well, wait, wait, wait. If I, went to, if I went there and inhaled some methane and they came to earth where there's oxygen in the atmosphere, I should not go near any candles. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that correct? Yes. Because the methane will combust on contact with the oxygen. If there's still enough of it, when you exhale, yes.
5: Yeah. Right. Now, your wife's from Fairbanks. But she's raised in Fairbanks, Alaska. And it's a big party. A buddy of mine, a guy I went to high school with, this, it's a big day when it's minus 40, because they can pour uh, propane on the ground. It stays yeah, it's a liquid. Yes, so big party my, up my, there.
2: my wife's sister, who we visited often, when it gets that cold, their propane tanks liquefy. And so they can't get gas into the stove. So they got to go out, heat the propane tank, so that it so that it vaporizes, so that they can unturn the. This is like life in Alaska, and okay? it's fun for them. that, that aside, by the way, why don't we get back to movies here? So, so uh, Bill, what's your what science movie do you think was the got it the best?
5: Well, I think contact. contact. I'm so not you trying, agree with me on it? Right? Not just jumping yeah. on the bandwagon, but I really, very much enjoyed until it got too weird. Two thousand one.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. two thousand one got weird. Yeah, the then it, there.
5: you know I won't say jump the shark. It just um, got, went back in time with a. I think 2001
2: had they known about wormholes and black holes, they would have used it. They would have used it. Sure, who wouldn't? Right. <laughs> Dust. No, but the thing actually, they going had going a up.
4: scene that was like going through a wormhole in two thousand and one, if you remember. No,
5: that's my yeah, like but much. it's not whole yeah, yeah, like It's very. They you know, didn't, well, we don't know what a, it a wormhole was looks like. And one of the yeah. insights that you do I get from Interstellar. I know what a wormhole looks like. Sure you do. <laughs> uh, one of the uh, one of the insights that you do get from Interstellar, despite what else you might not get from it, is that a black uh, wormhole is a sphere. There's, you can come in any direction. Yeah, yeah. A, a hole in space
2: yeah. is a sphere. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. correct. It's a three-dimensional <laughs> hole. From any, there's another movie I think is underappreciated, or underspoken of its science, and that's Deep Impact.
5: Uh,
2: no, mm- let me tell you what. Let me uh, tell you okay, what. Uh, it's an I, asteroid I, I, hits Earth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's unlike Armageddon, where the asteroid parts had good aim, mm-hmm. and one hits the Eiffel Tower, one mm-hmm. like decapitates the Chrysler Building. Mm-hmm. If I maybe I'm mixing up a couple of movies, mm-hmm. but basically. They aim the asteroids to civilization's icons. In Deep Impact, they said, look, most of the world is ocean. Let's just have this sucker hit the ocean. Yeah. You can still destroy the coastal cities with a huge tsunami, which they cool. did for New York.
4: That by film, the way, by the way, had very good science consulting and they took took them seriously. Uh, that's, what, that's my point. Yeah. Oh, you, so you saw, the, you saw Deep oh, yeah. Impact. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They did it right. Unlike Armageddon, which
2: I couldn't even... I, I don't even criticize Armageddon because it's, t- it's, it's too over... It's over
5: the top. By too, the way... Listeners, something I'd like you to think about is an asteroid impact and what we would do about an oncoming impactor. Uh, there is no evidence that the ancient dinosaurs had a space program. No evidence at all. If they they had, didn't have opposable thumbs and they had that walnut-sized you brain. You don't know. You don't oh. know what they could oh, do. How big on. was their brain? It was little. It
4: depends on who you're talking it's with. The brain, the brains might have been bigger than ours, but their
5: bodies were so much bigger that But you guys you can matter. be dismissive. <laughs> but when I watch how ants can get organized, termites can get astonishing things done. You don't know what the ancient dinosaurs could have pulled off. That said if they had gotten organized. That said, we're the guys with the problem. we're the people, we're the organisms with the problem if there is an impact or coming toward us. And another thing to think about science fiction wise is maybe the reason we've never heard from another civilization is because they did not pass an asteroid test. They mm. did not deflect an oncoming mm. asteroid So, so they've all, all gone around. extinct by Control their own asteroid. Delete out there, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Guys, we gotta wrap it up. This is the Cosmic Crib. Bill, thanks for being thanks for coming by the office. Thank you. It's cozy. Yeah, Steve Soder, thanks for coming by, as Likewise. always. All right. This is Neil deGrasse Tyson signing off from Star Talk Cosmic Crib.
5: acapella.edu.